anybody else have the habit when they leave home like me of the pat test? Or maybe ladies, it's the purse check. Where you go, keys, wallet, cell phone, I'm ready to go. And it's such a habit and it's instinctive and anxious that you might forget something as you leave. And so you have this checklist in your head of what I absolutely must have as I leave home. Or maybe sometimes it's when we go off on a trip where we're packing our suitcase and we're trying to go through our mental checklist just anxious that we might forget the one important thing as we go off on our holiday. Sometimes I think we even have a checklist to get to heaven. Okay, I, I haven't committed murder, check. Okay, good. Haven't committed adultery, check. Lied, well, they were only white lies, so check. I haven't, I've been nice to other people, check. Okay, I should be okay. I've got everything that I need to get into heaven. But, if that was the case, why would Jesus ask one more thing from the rich man? See, he did all those things. He checked off all those items on his list. He followed the commandments from the time of his youth. And Jesus says, that's not enough. You're still missing something. See, the temptation with the checklist is that we're putting pieces together in our life, putting things in order in our life, thinking that that's going to get us what we're looking for. Things become a part of our life, but they don't necessarily become a part of us. That we put things in our life thinking that those steps get us to where we're going, but they don't necessarily become part of us. This is one of the dangers in cohabitation, living together before marriage. What happens, what has the temp danger to happen is that pieces get put together to form a life. That this couple comes together and they buy the house together. They get the pet together. They buy more house appliances together. Then marriage becomes another part of their life. Children become another part of their life before they've made the choice for this other person to become a part of them. Because that's what marriage is isn't it, in the Christian understanding, that you are choosing to let this other person become a part of you, to become one flesh. And so there's a danger of allowing those pieces to become a part of my life without them ever becoming a part of me. I don't know if I'm right on this part, but in my experience, I believe there to be a difference in the way that people grieve when they let other people be a part of their life versus people that they love becoming a part of them. What do I mean? I've seen people who love others, but they've become so dependent on them for the goodness of their life that if that person leaves, if that person dies, it shatters their life. They don't know how to keep going without this person because this person is a part of their life and they're so dependent on them that it throws everything off if they should lose them. But when we love others in a way that they become a part of us, we still grieve because when they leave, when they die, we lose a part of ourself because they have become a part of us. 
but at the same time, we grieve differently because we know they've become a part of us, so we never truly lose them. That's the Christian understanding of loss and of grief, is that we make space in our life, in who we are, for someone else. And so we never really lose them. So we can ask ourselves the same thing in our relationship with God. Is God a part of my life? Is he one of the pieces that I have put in my life to create what I think is a good life? Or is God a part of me and of who I am as a person? Because there's a difference. Because Jesus addresses the rich man today and says, you lack one thing. Now go back and try to remember the commandments that Jesus lists off. Murder, adultery, defrauding, bearing false witness, honoring mother and father. Which commandments does he intentionally leave out? The first three. Love God, keep the Sabbath holy, and keep the Lord's name holy. The rich man had done all these good things. He had checked off all the good things in his life, and he yet hadn't made room for God in his life. This can be our temptation, that the practice of our faith becomes another part of our life, but God doesn't become a part of us. Because we've all heard before that we can't take anything to heaven with us when we go. So why do we think that we can take our good deeds with us when we go? Like those good deeds are going to be the currency that we pay so that we can get through the pearly gates and be with God. It doesn't work that way. Our good deeds are only good insofar as they open us up and make room for God in us. Because heaven, life with God, begins now. We make room for God in our life now so that we can be with him forever, later. What do you think the Eucharist is every time we come on Sunday? We're trying to make room for Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in us, not just a part of our life, not just a practice that we do where we come and we receive Holy Communion, as some of our Christian brothers and sisters do, that it's a communal act that they do together. But as Catholics, this is Christ. And we make room for him in who we are so that we become what we consume. That God becomes a part of who we are. That's the real question of the Christian life. Is God a part of my life or is God a part of me? because there's a difference between the two. And it makes all the difference in how we strive for heaven. Because it's not about putting all of our ducks in a row, and if we do that better than we do evil, we will get to heaven. God becomes a part of us. It's the gift of our faith. He is one with us. So, will we be one with him.